Welcome to Steadfast. I am so glad to be here with you tonight as we continue our series, The Spirit of Christmas. Have you mailed your Christmas packages that you're sending to people yet? If you have, I think all of us, when we're mailing it something that we found a treasure that we can't wait to give to somebody, we find ourselves a little nervous. Is it going to make it there? Okay. Maybe it's a package that someone's mailed to us, and we've probably all had those packages arrive that look like maybe there was a dog hiding in the middle of the post office that had to go ahead and chew it up before it ever got to us. And, and you look, and, and it's in one of those packages that the Postal Service has now that says, sorry, your package was damaged, and it's trying to hold whatever pieces are left of it together. And that package may be entirely lost, or at least partially lost, as far as as we're concerned, I've had packages even this year that just went completely missing. Maybe it's something that, that you picked out last year. You thought this is a perfect gift and it was right after Christmas last year. You found it for somebody and you, you picked, up, picked it up for them so that you could have it for this year. And you thought, wow, I'm going to be so far ahead. And now you can't figure out where it is. We've all had packages lost that were packages intended to be given to somebody or packages that we were supposed to receive. We know what that's like, what it feels like. And if you think about the Christmas story, in some sense it's a story about a present for us lost and a present we're meant to give also lost. And as we dig into the Gospel of John tonight, we're going to be thinking about that. What does it look like to lose the present that God has given us? And what does he do about it? Does he call up the insurance claim and get his money back? No, of course we know he does far more than that. And so let's think about that. Let's come before our God and ask him to guide us, and then we'll dig right in. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being our loving, caring God who is always with us. Even when we miss out on what you're doing for us, we, we don't see it. We don't reflect on it. We don't use it. But Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you nudge us to be more aware of what you have done, and through that to be more aware of what you're doing right now and what you will do and what you call us to do in response. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If we turn to John chapter 1, we start at the very beginning tonight. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That word that we read about there is Jesus. We're, we're told that at the beginning... Jesus was right there with God because Jesus is God. So we see both the Father and the Son in that picture of the beginning. But that phrasing would immediately tell us we should also look to the beginning of Genesis. And when we turn there, we see the entire Trinity. We see the Spirit as well involved in that act of creation. Take a look at Genesis chapter 1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So there we have it. We have the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all involved in this creation process. 
this process in which the creation was called to know who God is. A, a process in which God wasn't distant and removed from creation, but God was right there in the midst of it. He was present. He was there to have a relationship with that creation. The things that he made, including us, were not meant to just be things out there somewhere on a shelf in God's closet, but to be right in the middle of God's focus. He created us. He created his creation for fellowship. We see that at the beginning of Genesis when, when God walks in the garden with Adam and Eve, that, that there was this intended relationship that people were made to experience. Rela relationship we still crave and, and often go in the wrong directions trying to find, but but one that we were made to have. But what happens? Of course, we, we are all too familiar with where we end up. Adam and Eve fall, and the effects of the fall go throughout the world, and we find ourselves in the world today that feels broken and lost, a world in which often God feels very distant. And so that first present that God gave to his creation, the, the gift of his presence, the gift of, of a relationship with him, was obscured. Sort of like that package going through the sorting process at the postal service that gets all beat up and, and mangled and, and it arrives and you're not really sure what it is. That's sort of what has happened. Because we still know we want that relationship with our God. We still yearn for it, and yet so often it's hard to see it. It feels obscured. Can you imagine what it would be like? I think we get little tastes. For example, I have a number of wonderful Bible studies that I get the joy of being a part of, and, and one of them is going through Genesis, in fact, right now, and there's wonderful fellowship in it. We pray for each other, we laugh with each other, we cry with each other, we're together through so much of life. That taste of that fellowship, where, where there's a connection between people when we deeply care about each other, that's a taste of of what God intended for us. Not the complete picture of it, but it's a part of it. Because he intends us not only to be in relationship with him, but with his people. And as we as a Bible study are going through the beginning of Genesis, and you think about what did it look like to, to be before the fall and to have that fellowship with God, it's kind of interesting to be doing that in a group that has warm, wonderful fellowship, because it it's as if we're looking back at what should have been experiencing a foretaste of what will be again. We're called to imagine that Eden, to, to imagine what it would be like to have that fellowship with God. And if you've been in such a group or you, you just have a group of friends that when you get together, you know everyone cares about each other and loves one another and, and is there to help each other, that's a taste, a taste of what it would be to experience God's presence. But it's not the complete picture we're just human beings and we're fallen human beings at that and we're going to hurt each other and we're not going to be there for each other at certain times. All these sorts of things. But the creator intended that we would be with him, the, the one perfect one, the one who's always there for us and that we'd experience the joy of that relationship. But millennia passed in which people didn't experience that because of the fallenness that we have in our lives, the sin that ensnares us and, and tears us away from God and his will. And yet that word, John tells us, that, that created everything, 
that was the one who brought about the very universe that we dwell in, came into this world so that we could again know him. But look what John says as we go on in verse 9 about how creation responded to him. He says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. What's John talking about there? He's talking about the creator of the universe coming into the world, the thing that we celebrate at Christmas. He's talking about him coming not just randomly anywhere. He's coming into a people who had been prepared for millennia for the coming of the Messiah, who had prophets announcing what would come, who had a relationship with God unlike what anyone else in the world had experienced up to that point. Being prepared to recognize the Creator and enjoy that relationship, and indeed some people did. But an awful lot of people didn't. An awful lot of people still don't today. But what are we told here? And what do we know about God because of this? We know that God knows us even when we don't know Him. God knows us even when we're not wanting to focus on knowing Him. God knows us every single moment. He knows you right now. You're not off drifting away out of His conscious thought. You're right there, right now. We spend the time that we should then getting to know our God. We think about our culture. We're obsessed with celebrity. We're obsessed with, with big public figures, whether they're actors or singers or, or athletes, whatever it might be. Today, we just had the announcement of the person of the year, Elon Musk. And I have to confess, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by, by Musk and his entrepreneurial spirit and everything he creates. And of course, he's a larger-than-life personality who's always tweeting things. Sometimes they make a lot of sense, sometimes not as much. And, and all that kind of falls into that mystique, and he's fascinating to get to know. But here's something that I know, which is Musk doesn't know me from Adam. If, if I ran to him on a street or... If I tweet at him, I'm nothing to him. He doesn't know who I am. I, I know about him. I know about his life. I know about the things he says and the businesses he started and all this sort of stuff. But what do I matter to him? Nothing. And that's how it is for most of the people that, that we might find our fascination captured with. The, those big celebrity figures that, that so many of us know something about, but who know absolutely nothing about us. God turns that on the head, uh, on the, the head of the world, because everyone in the world who's important, that seems like the more important people are, the more people who, who know that person and their name and their story and what have you. But the fewer people who know them, that they also can say they know. We, we know our personal friends and family, usually, at least to an extent. We, we have somewhat of a relationship with them. We know some of the story. But as people elevate in height and stature, there are an awful lot of people that know them that they have to say they don't know. But here it is, the God of the universe, the most important figure in all of history, the one who predates history, the only one who can say that. 
It was each and every one of us. And the ironic thing about it is that this one who's more important than anyone else we could ever know anything about, read anything about, think anything about, is one that we often don't spend nearly as much time getting to know as all those people who we mean nothing to. Isn't that funny? Do we spend enough time getting to know our God because our God knows us? He came into the world to save us. You see that, that mangled, broken present of that relationship that we were intended to have with him, that one that is now in that carrier from the postal service just falling apart? What we celebrate at Christmas is the story of, of Jesus coming back into the world, having created the world, now coming back into the world to recreate through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we see as we move on in the Gospel of John. John continues, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Anyone that wants to know who this God is, wants to know not the person of the year, but the person of of all time and all space, and pre-time and post-time and anything else we can ever imagine, anyone that wants to know him gives the opportunity to. He gives more than an opportunity to know him. I mean, I can go on Wikipedia and know all kinds of people, at least as far as factual information comes. And then there's a fair number of people that if I want to take the time and I have the time and what have you, I can at least get to know them a little bit personally as well. But even a lot of the people I know, I, I only have the right to say that I know them, or, or we use the term loosely nowadays, friend. I can say, well, this is my friend. But what does God do? He doesn't just invite us even to see him as our friend. He invites us to see him as our father. It says that we were given the right to be called children of God sons and daughters of God. And, and that right, that term, is, is a term of authority. We've been given the, the, the legal permission to see ourselves as part of God's family. That's what John's talking about here. And if you notice this language that John's using in chapter 1 echoes what Jim was talking about last night in John chapter 3. John ch chapter 3 is Jesus' conversation with the Pharisee Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is trying to get his head around what Jesus has been talking about. And right before the part that Jim was looking at, we see Nicodemus asking Jesus how it can be that someone can be born again. This is what Jesus says. John chapter 3, verse 5. As Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? There's a lot that Nicodemus needs to get his head around here. Jesus comes to him, or 
with this idea, Nicodemus has physically come to Jesus, but Jesus is the one traveling to him with these ideas that are mind-boggling. And Jesus comes right out and says, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus says, what in the world is that? Sometimes I, we still don't really know what that means, right? We, we toss around the term, but do we really think about what it means? What well, means God's spirit coming into our lives and transforming us? us receiving the righteousness of Jesus, us receiving that card that says that we've been adopted, that we have that right to be called sons and daughters of God. It's a reintroduction to, to our God, not as someone we read about on a Wikipedia page or in a, a book of the important people of the world, but a reintroduction where we have an actual relationship. It's not like browsing on social media. You, you, you've probably had this experience. You're browsing on social media and it has the little list of people you might know. I think every social network has this. And, and, and so you see someone, you realize you haven't talked to that person in five years, 10 years, 20 years, however many years, and yet you know the person's name and face and you hit the little add friend or, or add follow or follow or whatever it might be button depending on which service you're on and suddenly you have a bit of a connection and sometimes that's where it ends it just stops there there are people that i've added on facebook that that i i knew years ago and now we are facebook friends and yet it really hasn't served to do much. Maybe I see a picture of them doing something every once in a while, or they see something I post. Maybe we like each other's jokes, but, but I still don't know what's going on in that person's life. I still really have to say, even if we were really close friends at some point, that for all intents and purposes, that friend word doesn't really mean a whole lot now because there isn't a connection. That's not what God's talking about here. God's talking about something more. When, when God hits the the friend button for us when he sends his holy spirit into our lives he doesn't just add us to the heavenly facebook and and we're just on there and every once in a while he, as he's scrolling at the end of the night he says oh oh i see tim here he, he uh huh he posted something today that's interesting like dislike uh, he, he that's not what he's doing he's doing something so much more he's reconnecting with us it's sort of funny with social media I found the pandemic made me approach some of those friends differently because for that period of time where no one was getting together in person and, and so whether you'd connected with the person just days before the pandemic or or you hadn't talked to them in years, as far as our ability to connect with them, it was equalized. It was all about voice conversations over the phone or, or video chats or what have you. And so there's some people that I hadn't talked to much at all in years that I've been reconnected to. I've rebuilt friendships because it was as easy as talking to anybody else and it no longer seemed like, well, I'm going to see these people and this person over here I haven't talked to in a while, so I'll just put off talking again. And so that was something I, I was really happy happened. I realized suddenly I had this power I actually always had, which is I could reach out and talk to the person. I didn't have to just hit add friend and then only see them when I was scrolling through my feed. I could talk to them. What do we do with God? Even as we open his word, are we just scrolling through it and seeing what posts God has posted in years past? 
Are we seeing the opportunity to have a relationship with them? Because so much more than, than I can connect with anyone on social media, when we're looking at God's word and we're coming before him in prayer, he's given us the power to actually be in relationship with him. Not just as a follower in the sense of, of following a celebrity, but as one invited to his table as a family member. He doesn't just do this so that he, he lays out an invitation and, and then we have to somehow muster up the courage to come and see him. He sends his spirit to us instead. He comes to us because he loves us. And that's what we see throughout the Gospel of John so very clearly. We have the spirit at the very beginning of the Gospel of John. Jesus coming into the world with his spirit. And then as he prepares to depart, and leave his disciples as he prepares to go to the cross. He returns to that promise of the Spirit. Take a look at John chapter 14. Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. As he develops that conversation, it becomes clear who is this helper he's talking about. It's the, it's the Spirit. He says, I, I realize that I'm going to be away from you physically. And your temptation, disciples, as much as you say you care about me and love me, is going to be just like those people 2,000 years later who, who have friends that move away and they still sort of know what's going on in each other's lives on, on social media, but they don't really know. Or, or, you know, occasionally they make a phone call every few years and then they catch up and then they drift away again. You're going to have that same sense with me. You're going to feel alone. You're going to feel abandoned. You're going to feel afraid, but but I'm not going to let you alone. I might not be physically there with you. My spirit is going to be with you throughout everything that you face. And so Jesus calls them to recognize that, to recognize that that relationship with him is only going to grow stronger because his spirit is going to be in them not going to grow weaker just because he isn't physically sitting at the head of the table. And then he's going to send them because they're the those that, that have relationship with, them, with him. And he's going to send them to invite more people to know about him. Take a look at John chapter 15. Verse 26, Jesus says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Do you see how those things are connected? The Spirit is going to bear witness to whom Jesus is. He's going to remind the disciples of, of all the things that they've been taught by Jesus and, and stuff they haven't even learned yet. And then they're going to bear witness. And they're going to make more disciples. And guess what? Those disciples are also going to experience the the, the work of the Spirit, that bearing witness, and then be called to bear witness themselves. How do we know this? Because generations and generations and generations later, we're on the receiving end of that. A people who have experienced the bearing witness of the Spirit about what happened at Christmas, that God came into the world, and then bore witness to other people who experienced the Spirit. And then bore witness to other people and bore witness to other people down the generations to us. And now we're the ones called to bear witness to other people. 
You know those gifts that you, you, you buy really early that we were talking about earlier? Those ones that you feel so smug about because you're way ahead and then you can't find? I, I've done that so many times and sometimes years later I'll, I'll be digging through a box and, and there's that perfect gift for somebody that I never gave. You know the problem with that? As, as good as I felt at that moment when I found that gift and, and thought how wonderful it was that I was way ahead of the curve, it didn't do that person any good. And it really didn't do me any good either because as, as nice as it felt in that little moment, I didn't get to see the joy that that person experienced opening that gift. I didn't get to know it made their life in any small or large or minuscule or any kind of way at all better because they never got it doesn't do any good what else doesn't do any good is when when we receive that gift of the holy spirit and we receive the witness that he's bearing to us and he gives us that gift and he not only gives it to us but he gives us free gifts to give to other people and, and we take that that truth that that he's given us and we say well this is really nice and it's great for me but then we, we go and we, we set it down over on a shelf. And we say, well, someday I'm going to share some of this with somebody else. Jim was talking about this just last night. We cover up that third candle, that candle of joy. And we're not sharing those gifts. And, and so, yes, we receive salvation. We're not going to earn salvation by getting enough recruiting points by, by sharing the gospel or anything like that. Yet the Holy Spirit is given us this beautiful set of gifts to give to other people, something far more beautiful than whatever you're going to pick out for anyone this Christmas or any Christmas. And too often we leave them just collecting dust on a shelf. But what does he call us to do? He calls us to take those gifts, those gifts that are the story of how God restores the gift that he's given all of us, and he gives it back to us restored and perfect again, and to give it to a hurting world hurting people around us, people whom we love, who desperately need to know God's love. To see them have the joy of it. He lets us actually be a part of that story. He can call anyone whom he wants any way he wants. Yet he invites us to be a part of it so that we can experience the joy of seeing the expansion of his kingdom. So he calls us to bear witness. He calls us to recognize who he is. And that's where we should start if if you haven't already done that, recognize who he is, experience him in, in your life. But then he calls us to take all those additional gifts he pours out in our lives, the abilities and talents and all those things, and use that to bless other people with that same knowledge. Christmas is a story about gifts that have been lost. The gift of God's presence from the beginning that we were meant to experience, the presence of the Spirit dwelling over the very beginning of creation gift lost that's been restored and then a gift that's been restored with more gifts to give to everyone else that's the story of christmas and and that's the story of the spirit working in christmas and may we this christmas share that spirit with those around us would you pray with me please father when we're too busy focusing on other things and not recognizing that, that you know us and care about us and are ready to restore us, may we be corrected in our priorities. May we see how wonderful that gift that 
too often we ignore. We look at the, the mangled relationship we have with you in the past because of the fallen world, and we ignore the fact that you fixed it, that you've done more than fixed it. You've invited us into, into your family to dwell in your presence. That once we recognize that too, Lord, we, we so often overlook that you've given us gifts to give others. May we not do that either, Lord, but may we recognize that that we are called to be those who take the blessings you pour out on us and share those blessings with others. That your kingdom might enlarge, and, and through that, many more might know the true spirit of Christmas. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope this was an encouragement to you tonight. And if it was, would you consider giving it a like? Would you consider giving it a share? Share that gift of what Christmas is about by inviting other people to, to dig into this passage. I'm always honored when you're willing to do that, and I get to, to share this gift with more people that, that God has given all of us in his word. And we're going to do so much more of that in the coming weeks. If you notice on screen, there's an address. It has a list of all kinds of wonderful things coming up and things going on right now. You can relive O Christmas Faith Tree from last week going through the story of Christmas. You can go and check out Faith Tree Grow and see the devotional guide that's going through the Gospel of Matthew and the fullness of that gift that God's given us that's going on all during Advent. All of that's at that website, so please do check it out. also has information on Christmas Eve services, things that you can share about the good gift that God has given us. We're going to continue this series next week looking at the goodness of working in the Holy Spirit, what it's like to be those who share that gift with others. So I hope you'll join me at 7 p.m. next Monday night for that. And if there's any way I can be praying for you in the meantime, feel free to shoot me an email at the email address on screen or leave a prayer request or comment in the comments below. It's always wonderful to hear from you. It's always wonderful to pray for you. Hope you have a blessed week and I'll see you again next week.